The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? You are listening to The Bird Rights here on Nothing But Net Network on Dash Radio. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes right now, search The Bird Rights, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Pels fans? Welcome to a special edition of the Bird Calls podcast, where we are speaking to WGNO and ABC 26 sports reporter Karen Loftus. Not only that, it's her one-year anniversary. Congratulations, Karen. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I can't believe I've been here in New Orleans for a year already. It's crazy. I know. We're definitely going to get to that. Uh, before we get to that, it's it's been a pretty tough weekend for you. You were just in Florida, right? Yeah, it was. It was sort of a whirlwind trip. It was like, I went home for the holidays, and then I was back in... I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. New Orleans for like 24 hours, then uh, Bobby and I flew to Florida, to Orlando, drove down to Tampa for the Saints game, and then back to Orlando for the uh, Citrus Bowl for LSU's game and flew back that night. So, All while celebrating the holidays while at work. Nice that you had Bobby with you, though. Uh, before we go on, of course, in addition, we are stuck, as always, with the editor of The Bird Rides, Ali Cosell. What's going on, dude? What's up, Preston? Love talking to you every week, even though it doesn't look <laughs> like you do. Uh, you sound fantastic for our listeners. Ali got a new microphone, so we're very excited about that. Okay, Karen, let's let's dive in. You've been here for a year. You've been in New Orleans, uh, having come over from Roanoke in Virginia. You previously served as the weekend sports anchor and reporter to WDBJ-TV in Roanoke. I think they're the 67th market. New Orleans is the 50th, a slight upgrade there. And, of course, there's a brand-new cover story that most of you have seen on Alvin Kamara's love of the Big Easy on Sports Illustrated. But, but Karen, there hasn't been one on you yet. How are you liking it so far? Yeah, I'm still waiting for SI to call me to do that article. <laughs> um, yeah. I've loved it. It's been It's been so much fun. It's been awesome to be in you know, a, a pro town to get to cover the Saints and get to cover the Pelicans. And, you know, just along those lines, it's been phenomenal from a sports perspective. But then also just the food, the culture, everything down here has been incredibly fun. Everybody's been kind and just they really embrace newcomers down here. 
Yeah, again, you guys can find Karen on WGNOABC26. And of course, follow her at KC Loftus and Ali at Ali Cosell. Make sure you guys go over to KC Loftus and give her a nice congratulations for her one year. We were joking beforehand uh, that they should have a pizza there to celebrate for her for her special day. Uh, let's let's talk a bit about the Pelicans because that's what you are here doing. You're, you're covering the New Orleans Pelicans, the Saints, the LSU Tigers. And in your brief year here, uh, we've actually had a lot of news for a Pelicans franchise, of course, with the national spotlight on Anthony Davis, in addition to the DeMarcus Cousins trade, the uh, the vote of confidence giving, or I should say, quote, vote of confidence to Alvin Gentry and Dell Demps by Mickey Loomis over the summer, the Drew re-signing, Rajon Rondo, Tony Allen, Ian Clark, all these high-profile things have been happening in New Orleans. We've had constant trade rumors from the ringer. Just what has it been like in your first year covering a team that is getting such national media attention? It's been so much fun. And even just hearing you like recap all of those moments, I was just thinking about this the other day about, you know, how I got here about this time last year and just having New Orleans host the all-star game was probably one of the coolest things. And then from there on, you know, the, the boogie trade and everything just sort of hit the ground running. It was fun to, to be covering things in the NBA that were on the national stage and just a lot of stuff a lot of moving parts and a lot of changes and a lot of stuff that we've gotten to, to cover along the way. Yeah, Karen, I'm curious about how you exactly landed this uh, segment on covering the Pelicans with your uh, WGNO. Can you go a little bit into depth about that? Just as far as like me covering the Pelicans, uh, like on a daily basis, like that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got to the station, um, you know, I was like, hey, the Pelicans are playing, can I go? And I sort of just asked to cover all the games that were going on because we had other stuff going on too because we, you know, as you know, all the sports, you know, in New Orleans and around New Orleans. Um, So I sort of jumped on that right away because I hadn't gotten to cover the NBA before. So I sort of dove right in and I was at, you know, every single home game last season and sort of carried over into the summer and summer league and, and into this season. And it's been really fun. Um, to be able to get that opportunity to, you know, have an NBA team in your city and get to cover them um, day in, day out. Yeah. Aaron, reason, I, oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Dolly. Yeah. The reason I just wanted you to mention that is because I, I just wanted to point out to the listeners just how hard it is to get good coverage of the Pelicans sometimes even within here in New Orleans, simply because it does fall down on that ladder. Um, you know, we've talked about it, Karen, you and I, but, you know, college football, the Saints, uh, even college basketball sometimes comes in well ahead of the Pelicans. And sorry, forgot to mention high school sports as well. So, yeah, I'm hoping that you coming over here is just going to add to the experience. And uh, we'll, I guess Preston kind of already asked you this, but what are your, uh, I guess, early perspectives on this Pelicans team this season? I know they're about, you know, right at 500 at 19 and 18. They've been wildly inconsistent. I know you've seen a lot of games. Uh, what is like your overall general assessment of the team and where do you think they'll end up, you know, going from here, this point forward? I think that's the key word is inconsistent is, you know, Boogie's been with the team. I mean, almost a year now. So you'd hope that they're gelling, but then Rondo was out with injuries, you know, AD was out with some injuries and I feel like they're just, and maybe we all are just sort of waiting for them to gel, waiting for them to find some consistency because they have the talent. They have so much talent. And we're all sort of scratching our heads of like, okay, well, why is it not all coming together? And we've seen glimpses of it. So we know the potential is there, 
but it's just a matter of doing it night in and night out. You have some games where they have a slow start and then they're playing catch up and then they can't dig themselves out of the hole. And then you have other nights where they get off to a really hot start and then they let their opponent hang around and then their opponent outlasts them and they get the win. So it's just frustrating to say the least that to see the potential and know that they can, but there's just something missing and it's just that cohesion and we're all sort of waiting for it to click. Yeah, and it's nice to hear your optimism, having having a fresh face in New Orleans, talking about, uh, as you mentioned, the All-Star game, all the, the the great names that we've had come to New Orleans in the past six months, like Boogie, Tony Allen, Rashawn Rondo, and that sort of thing. But some of your colleagues who have been here later have experienced the the ups and downs uh, of that the Pelicans and Hornets franchise has been through in the past seven years, just two playoff performances, one as a seven seed and one as an eight seed that got swept just uh, two and a half years ago. One of your colleagues, Scott Kushner, wrote an article a few days ago that got a lot of attention, and the article was titled, I'm going to read it right off the New Orleans Advocate page, Fans Deserve Better Than What the New Orleans Pelicans Are Offering. And this served served, uh, several different purposes. It wasn't just the inconsistent play of the Pelicans. It was just the, uh, I don't know, the ambient energy in the New Orleans arena, the sort of like, uh, I don't know, pop culture, top 40s, 1980s, 19 music, just not establishing a connection to the people of New Orleans, much in the way that Memphis has with their, their grit and grind perspective and, and sort of the disconnect between the people of New Orleans with the Pelicans and right across the street on Poitras, you see that connection stand up and get crunk with the New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees, and, and just how every uh, house that you pass in New Orleans seemingly has a Saints flag in front of it. What is your perspective as, as a newcomer, a person who's been here a year today, and and just compare and contrast the people of New Orleans' relationship to the Saints versus their relationship to the Pelicans. Yeah, so it's funny that you you bring that up because I feel like whenever I talk about the Pelicans, the people who have been here, everybody's like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, I feel like I'm just optimistic because I haven't had years and years of covering them or, you know, being a fan and being around it and, like, being let down. Um so I, I think that's interesting that you point that out, and I do get that, and I do understand, you know, what fans around here have experienced with the Pelicans. But it is that mentality that just the Saints are by far and away king in the city. And you think about the seasons overlapping, I mean, it's pretty much Saints for, for half of the NBA season or more. And if people are going to choose, they're, they're choosing the Saints. And that, that's, that's what I've seen. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, that's Karen, just the, the way it seems to be. Yeah, Karen, what do you think can change that? Do you think the Pelicans just simply need to win, you know, put up winning mm-hmm. numbers or, excuse yeah. me, winning records, get to the playoffs, like, say, two, three, four times in a row? Is it going to take something like that? or Win has to be it because it's like they have superstars. It's not like that's an issue. It's not like they have a bunch of no-name guys. I think it's just, you know, start winning. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think we're all ready for it. <laughs> it's been a I, while. So, listen, you just touched on superstars. So, we got to talk to you about Boogie. You know, he's a polarizing figure, and he looked like he's going to be a shoo-in all-star, maybe even a starter. So, yet, you know, people often, you know, they mention his demeanor, how it hurts the team, how it hurts players around him. Where do you stand on this whole Boogie and how he affects the team, whether positively or negatively? Yeah, it's really interesting. And you and I were just talking about that this at the other game. And I have found myself more and more watching 
Boogie specifically throughout the game because it's a very interesting dynamic. You wonder, like, if people, his teammates don't want to, you know, check him. If he's getting out of line, there's very few people that sort of bring him back down. If he gets heated about not getting calls or if he's not running back on the, the defensive end, I, I very, I don't know if I've seen any of his teammates sort of get in his face and be like, listen, we need you. We need you in this game because he gets fired up. And if he, you know, there are a lot of calls that he doesn't get. I'll give him that. But, you know, at times when he just gets in his own head, it's, you know, it's self-destructive. And you can't argue with his production, 28 and 13 rebounds and five assists on 50% shooting from the floor, 41% from three in the month of December. The guy has been electric and and say what you will about his his demeanor, the seven technical fouls, the, the way that he trots back on defense from time to time. He is an electric player that everybody points to in the national media right now as a potential MVP candidate. But with with that being said, uh, as Ali was kind of alluding to, uh, with his time in Sacramento and in New Orleans, is is you take a player at his face value, you look at the statistics, you 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 look at the passion from game in, game out, the production levels, and you think that's one of the best players in the NBA. But then you think about sort of the stuff you were saying, the, the teammates being afraid to check him, coaches being afraid to confront him, uh, even, even fans and media uh, types being afraid to, to really question it and really ask the, the tough questions because, frankly, I, I think a lot of them are afraid as to how he'll react, what, how his demeanor will change, how it will affect not just his on-court production, but also his teammates around him. I guess the question that I'm trying to, to get to is, Regardless of his statistics, does he make the team that he plays for, in this case, the New Orleans Pelicans, better? I think he does. I mean, just, you know, just looking at the numbers, you know, and that's from a numbers perspective, you can't deny his contributions. You know, I can't speak, you know, I'm interested to see how things are from what we don't see, though. You know what I mean? As far as like how the team meshes you know, behind closed doors or in the practices that we don't see. There's so much that we as the media don't get to see and the interactions between the players and between the coaches or management or anything like that. And, you know, that's the tough thing is I don't know if I can really speak to how his teammates feel about him because there's so much that we don't get to see. Yeah, (laughs) excuse me. Yeah, Karen, I agree with you a lot there. But I will say that it seems like the team, and especially Anthony Davis, have really taken to forming good, close relationships. I don't know, in the past, I've been in the locker room a few times, and it, and it just seemed like the whole locker room wasn't as closely knit as uh, this year's team. And again, you know, it just may be a matter of perspective. We've got kind of louder voices now. In the past, we had a lot of quieter type of players, um, you know, where Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis were it, you know. They dominated the scene, yet they rarely ever, you know, grabbed the bull by the horns, were aggressive in any kind of way, never spoke out, uh, weren't demonstrative. Unlike Boogie, who just, I don't know, I care how many times you heard him in a locker room, but I love it when he just says, it sucks. It flat out sucked. You know, he just yeah. he speaks off the cuff, and I love that. I love seeing that. We need to hear that. Uh, we need to see almost players frustrated at their lows, because all we've seen is the highs, where they're really good at breaking down the highs, but the lows, they kind of just like duck questions. So I'm a big fan of Boogie. I just have to say that I don't I don't care what people say. I don't care really what the numbers point to. But Anthony Davis, for the longest time, has needed another superstar alongside of him. And I, I really think Boogie is it. They've just got to work yeah. out a few more of those kinks, you know. 
because uh, that offense has been amazing. It's just on the other side of the ball, really. So, and anyways, it's fun we, to see him play. I mean, some of the things, the plays that he makes, you know, we sort of look at each other and we're like, you know, that he's deceptively athletic. You're like, wow, he just did that. And like, yeah, he's amazing. so what talented. About taking those charges, Karen. I mean, I think yeah. that's amazing too. Yeah, for sure. And even going back to what you were saying about just his honesty. And, you know, if you're talking about a, you know, a 500 team, there should be a lot of that, you know, frustration. And, you know, the fact that we do get to see that and it's not, you know, a generic answer of, you know, we'll just, you know, regroup and get better for the next game. Like the fact that he actually speaks to us truthfully is sort of a breath of fresh air. Now, Karen, you mentioned uh, how electric the Pelicans have been offensively lately, and they have been dynamite. They've got two of the best uh, 10 three-point shooters in the NBA right now, and Etwan Moore and Darius Miller. On top of that, in the month of December, Drew, Drew Holiday has really unlocked his potential, uh, shooting 53% from the floor, 43% from three-point range, 22 points a game, four and a half assists, four rebounds. And a lot of people are attributing this to Rajon Rondo, but there's there's been a, a polarizing topic of conversation recently, and Ali did a wonderful job on thebirdrights.com. You guys should go and check out right now, where he has some videos up, just uh, basically pointing or taking a look at Rajan Rondo on the defensive side of the floor. He's been getting a lot of uh, DNPs in the fourth quarter recently, having played just 20 minutes overall against Dallas, 15 minutes against Utah. Uh, of course, that was a, a win for the Pelicans, and it looked like the right call in hindsight, looking at Ali's um, article. But with that being said, offensively, it's it's been so exciting to be a Pelicans fan just to see these threes going in, these backdoor cuts uh, exhibited by Drew Holiday and Dante Cunningham, having Rajon Rondo. And there's so many quotes uh, from Pelicans players calling him the leader, the floor general, right. the coach on the floor. And yet it almost seems like because of his lapses on the defensive side of the floor, he's slowly being pushed out of, not even so slowly, being pushed out of the rotation. But offensively, the team is is a top five team at this point in time. Where's your stand on Rajon Rondo? Not just how he contributes offensively, but to the team as a whole. Do you want him to, to figure it out, to stay in the game, to get those minutes? Or do you think Alvin Gentry's making the right call here by by giving those minutes to people like Ian Clark and Jameer Nelson. Yeah, so I think Rondo is definitely a key piece in their offense. And we've, you know, heard Drew even talking about it. Like, and then Boogie, like when Rondo's out there, he's the floor general. He makes scoring happen. You know, 25 assists against the Nets in that game. I mean, he makes things happen. So I think, you know, to get the offense started, he is an absolute necessary key piece. But if there's times where the flow of the game, doesn't involve him being out on the court and they need to have different personnel out there as the game unfolds, then that's what you have coaches for, you know, like that's, that's what they're there for is to read the game and say, listen, okay, this group is doing well. And this is what we need right now as the game is unfolding. If that doesn't involve Rondo out on the court and then, then that's fine. I mean, if that equates to wins, then that's fine. And I'm sure Rondo would be completely fine with that, you know, just knowing his role and knowing, what they need at what point in the game. Yeah, Karen, let's shift gears here a little bit. We've talked a lot about current players and, and, and what they've done so far this year. Do you think this team, the way it's uh, compiled, comprised right now with the roster they have, um, are they going to be able to make the playoffs? Or would you feel better if uh, Del Demps addresses maybe a weakness that you see? Like, if you were to pick one spot to improve upon, would it be – the guards, the wings, uh, or the bigs um, in the trade market? 
I would just say more production from the bench and, and maybe from a guard perspective. Um, I think that's where you're really going to see the difference in the playoffs is being able to have production from your bench. And that's the, the games that we've seen them, them falter the most in is, you know, when, when Boogie and AD are trying to do all the scoring, they're not having help from, from anybody else. Yeah, did you think that statistic that I think Will or somebody was speaking to where the Pelicans have been outscored by uh, on, on just the bench alone, it was something like 120 over the last three games. I mean, that that's kind of ridiculous and unprecedented. Yeah. Huh? It really is. And, I mean, that's, you know, what I feel like we keep saying that too, but it's it's so true. And that's why when you talk about Rondo and, you know, getting people involved, you know, that's what they need. It's just, you know, people to make plays, get people open. I mean, Ian Clark is a great shooter, and he's not, you know, getting much out there. And that also has to do with the flow of the game. If they have people out there that are doing well, like he hasn't gotten a chance to go in. Um, and even Darius Miller. I mean, those guys have proven that they can score. It's just a matter of, you know, getting an opportunity to uh, to display that. Karen, the Pelicans have some opportunities for revenge coming up. Uh, the Timberwolves tomorrow night, uh, the Pistons, the Grizzlies, the Trailblazers, the Knicks. We also want to get your take on the Saints game uh, coming up. Obviously, that's that's got all the eyes in New Orleans on Sunday afternoon against Cam Newton and the Panthers. But before we do that, just talking a bit more about the bench and about the trade market, something that Ali and I haven't discussed in a while, but we did talk about over the offseason, is is the possibility that Dell Dems could be handcuffed at this point in time. Just because dating back to June, uh, just like we seemingly do every offseason, is we wait for the uh, the annual offseason Saints press conference. And as soon as that takes place, then Mickey Lewis starts addressing the needs of the New Orleans Pelicans. And it was a couple of weeks after that that he came out with kind of a half-hearted vote of confidence of Dell Dems and Alvin Gentry, saying that they could stay in place for the point in time, that they were the best people to run the ship at that point in time. I'll look up that quote later. But at uh, it's 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 well chronicled by everyone in the New Orleans area that the, the Pelicans don't have a first round pick dating back to Anthony Davis in 2012. And Dell Demps has right. become famous for unloading these picks and and giving away future assets. And and with the leash on him being as tight as it is right now, potentially by airline drive, is there a possibility with with all your connections at ABC, do you do you have any information about what his flexibility is on the trade market? Does does he have the ability to go out and get any deal done that he wants? Or is Mickey Loomis looming over him right now? I wish I did have some inside insight <laughs> on that. But I feel like I, I know just as much as you guys in, in that regard. Um, but I feel like there's so much to be determined about how the rest of this season goes. You know, it's sort of collectively holding our breath and see if this plan that they have by spending all this money to get boogie and, and, you know, building the team that way, um, if that's going to pan out, it's sort of like, well, let's, let's see how this shakes out. Hey, Karen, I want you to put on your teacher's hat for a second for me. And I want you to give me a grade on Alvin Gentry's performance and and the rest of the coaching staff so far through this first half of the season. Oh boy. (laughs) Putting you You on the spot. Right. I'm sorry, what was that, Karen? Um, I said you guys have to grade them, too, after I go back. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I would say B minus, B plus. Okay, that sounds fair. Why? I'm curious. Like some good or some um, bad? 
Yeah. So, I mean, if you're sitting at 500, you're in eighth in the, the Western Conference. You're not, you know, totally tanked. And I think that he's done a decent job with the pieces that they have. Um, and there's, you, you get to a certain point where the players have to perform. So it's not all on him that, you know, they're not performing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? Interestingly, I would probably give him a B plus, believe it or not. And, and in the past, I don't know if you know this, but I've often not been a Alvin Gentry supporter, but for some reason this season and watching him in all, all these games, all these practices and all these media uh, availabilities, he seems like he and the coaching staff have done everything that they can to put the Pelicans in the best position to succeed. Um, the offense is without a doubt clicking. And today, this morning, I was just looking at some numbers, and you won't believe it, but their road numbers are really, really good. Um, it almost seems like they just don't show up at home. Uh, and for whatever reason that is, as we've noticed, it's an effort thing. It's usually an effort, energy type of related issue. And I just, I don't know. I've been following sports for the longest time, and professional athletes, they either have it within them or they don't. The coaches can only do so much. As we've right. all seen, like NBA coaches that try and, you know, be real strict over their players just don't last in this league. Uh, Larry Brown, uh, John Calipari, you name it. Uh, Rick Pitino. These guys are just built um, to where the players almost have to, I don't want to say coddle, but you just got to tread lightly. So I just feel like the coaching staff's done what they possibly can to their best extent. And it's just up to the players from here on out. What about you, Preston? Let's hear your grade, buddy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Karen. I was just going to say the other part of sort of the the B grade that we're going with is the team has been trending upwards every month. They've been improving in points, field goal percentage, assists. Their turnovers have gotten less each month with a setback of the 20 turnovers on Wednesday. But um, (laughs) so they're trending in the right direction. Hey, Karen, they're three and three and one when they commit 20 or more turnovers. So they'll knock turnovers. <laughs> okay. And they're, hey, they're, hey, they're undefeated in 2018. So that's right. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to hop in here. And based on the information that we know in regards to Chris Finch and his acquisition from Denver, such a surprising move given their production over there with Nikola Jokic, something that was uh, heralded by everybody here. Uh, we, we, we turn the, the, the phrase point boogie. He has really done an exceptional job, uh, not just with Rajon Rondo in the lineup, but just changing the way that the Pelicans play basketball, pacing the floor, getting everybody to buy in. Uh, shooting at such a proficient clip. And it's not just those three guys, Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, um, and Darius Miller that we're referring to. Anthony Davis is shooting 39% uh, for the year. DeMarcus Cousins was 41% in the month of December. So offensively, uh, we had Jamel McMillan a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, and he mentioned some of those possessions uh, that we kind of look down upon, holding the ball, uh, making the pass, the gambling, that sort of stuff you can't put on the coaching staff. That's like we said, we on the players, you know, you coach to the best of your ability and either they execute or they don't. With that being said, when we go over to the other side, to Darren Ehrman, I, I, you can't give him anything above a D and you can blame the players if you want to. But the facts show that 111 points a game they're allowing to opponents. That's that's got to be shown on everybody, not just the players, not just Rajon Rondo letting uh, Ricky Rubio having open three point shots or Anthony Davis losing sight of J.J. Barea in the corner. Of course, that goes down to focus, and of course, that goes down to players, but it's also up to the coach to to provide motivation. That's their job, and uh, it's it's an, it's unfortunate that we've slipped so much with 
really just the loss of Solomon Hill to that torn hamstring. And we do hope that once we get him back, potentially get uh, Tony Allen back, who slipped a little bit in his 35, uh, 35th year on this earth, but last year was a second all-NBA defensive player. You've got to hope that when those guys get back, there's there's a little bit more energy on that side of the floor. But with that being said, it's it's up to Darren Ehrman to do that. In terms of Alvin Gentry, I'm a bit in line with Ali, but I'm going to give him a B-. And it's just something I talked about with Justin Barrier on the ringer. Just uh, this, this seeming lack of composure when he's preaching to his guys that they need to stay composed is, is you see him go to the media table and you see him kind of lose his cool. And we all really enjoy that because he is such an honest, a sincere guy who really does, does care about you. He shakes your hand. He looks in your eye. He remembers your name. Like Ali is such a big fan of him because he is just such a nice guy and he is brilliant. But with that being said, he might just not be the right guy for this job. You know, everybody uh, goes back to DeMarcus Cousins and and Mike Malone in Sacramento, just like the kind of bulldog guy who gets in your face and says, like the Tom Thibodeau type, like you need to get back on defense. You need to adhere to your assignments. You need to do what I'm telling you to do. And Alvin Gentry is such a nice guy, and he does trust his players, and he does trust his coaches. Maybe you you do need that kind of a bulldog type coach who's going to get into your face, but not to a point where you, you know, drive your superstars into madness but i've i've gone on for long ago this show is all about karen and karen we've got some games coming up we need to establish some consistency as we've been saying and it starts with minnesota on saturday night it's always exciting watching anthony davis go head-to-head with carl anthony towns in addition to that jimmy butler is back to playing like an mvp jeff teague is out who did so well against the pelicans in recent matchups and of course we've got former number over one overall pick Andrew Wiggins do you do you think the Pelicans can get some revenge in Minnesota on Saturday night and I should also mention they're following their back-to-back in Boston the night before so hopefully those guys will be nice and tired by the time the Pelicans get to them yeah exactly I mean you would hope so like you were saying I mean it's I like that matchup with Carl Anthony Towns Um, I mean that's fun that's fun to see. And, and of course, they, they need that win. Not only is it a, another road game that they could pick up a quality win, but, I mean, the, the T-Wolves are sitting fourth in the, in the West. So, you know, that would be a, a huge win for them if they were able to get that. Yeah, I feel like we owe them. We've already lost two games. Yeah. Um, Anthony Davis got thrown out of one. I mean, who's ever seen AD yeah. even ever act like that? So it'd be nice if they can just all stay on the floor and, you know, a little payback time. Well, Preston, what do you think? Should we go ahead and get to the biggest and best topic, I think? I know. Who cares about the Pelicans, Karen? We're just here to talk about the Saints. Uh, We are going to let you go. Thank you again so much for your time. You guys, make sure to follow her at KC Loftus. So uh, you've been so wonderful for us. Of course, you're celebrating one year today at WGNO. Congratulations again. Before we let you out of here, of course, it's what everybody in New Orleans is talking about. Cam Newton, the Panthers, coming to New Orleans on Sunday. It's our first trip back to the playoffs since 2013. Everybody is a buzz. The NFC is wide open. Anything could happen. Uh, the Panthers could roll over us and go to the Super Bowl. And likewise, with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram in the backfield, they might just run us all all the way to Minnesota themselves. What do you think is going to happen? How confident are you? And uh, and I, I guess I guess gauge your confidence to your fear meter because nothing destroys the city of New Orleans like a disappointing loss uh, to the Saints in the Superdome. That's so true. I like that, the, 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 the gauge there. Um, you know, I'm pretty confident that the Saints can win. You know, I've, I've covered them all season, and they just find a way to get it done. And they're confident in themselves. And the way they've been playing is 
is incredible. I mean, it's so so much fun to watch Alvin Kamara. I mean, he's electric. He's he's been so much fun. But I mean, then you then you second guess yourself and you're like, well, they beat him twice this season, and then everybody always says, you know, how hard it is to beat a team twice, let alone three times. Um, but obviously, they have the the dome in their corner. It's going to be so loud. The Falcons game was the loudest I've heard the dome, so I can only imagine how loud it's going to be in there on Sunday. And it's that that's definitely going to be a factor. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I've been Preston Ellis. Of course, we're talking to Karen Loftus at Casey Loftus and Ali Cosell at Ali Cosell. Uh, Ali and I are going to be back on Monday. We've got an episode on Sunday being recorded with our buddy Kevin Berrios. Finally, it's been about a week and a half. So glad to have him back. Be sure to subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Ali, is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners before we head out? I don't think so. I just wanted to touch on that. I am working on an article where it's amazing. The road home splits that the Pelicans have displayed thus far. And I'll share it with you guys in an article. I hope to post later this afternoon. Karen, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'd love to bother you again in the future if you're not too busy. Uh, Would you be so kind as to tell our listeners when and where they can spot you on WGNO ABC 26? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Um, I'm on very randomly. There is no set time that I am on. So, I will post whatever I'm on on my uh, on my Twitter, and uh, you guys can, can check me out there. Of course, my piece in the playbook segment. It's running Thursdays uh, in January. Awesome. We'll be sure to look for that, and we'll high-five every time we see you. For now, I'm Preston Ellis, Ali Cosell, at Karen Loftus. Uh, make sure you guys watch the game tomorrow night in Minnesota, and then Ali and I and Kevin will have the recap on Sunday afternoon for you guys. And, of course, uh, let's go Saints. But uh, – More so than that, this is the Bird Rights Podcast. Let's go Pels, right, Ollie? That's right. And thanks again, Karen. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening to the Bird Rice on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, take one minute to go to iTunes, search the Bird Rice, subscribe, and rate our podcast today. Let's go Pels. Say Metro by T-Mobile, got the best deal in wireless, and it's all for you, all for me. Just switch quickly, because Metro has two lines for 80, and two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free, plus Amazon Prime included. That's the way wireless should be, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Technology Truths. Brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, Pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.